0: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.TV slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold and you are listening to my show, folks. Yes, you are. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue with this. Again, we're at usa.visa.com. It's an interview with a representative from Consensus and a representative from Visa. This question, Visa and Consensus, were selected as one of three winning entries at the Global CBDC Challenge hosted at this year's Singapore FinTech Fest. What did you learn from the challenge, and what do you think set your entry apart? And so, Catherine Gu of Visa says it was a great honor to participate in the challenge alongside Consensus and to be selected by the panel of judges which included many of the leading thinkers and central bankers in this space it was an important milestone for us to share our vision on how we can support central banks and the private sector to drive early adoption of cbdc and democratize the usage and utility of cbdc for everyone everywhere by making it expedient Ubiquitous and familiar. You see that, folks? All those wonderful tag words in there. So she loves to support the central bankers. Uh, visa's there, like kissing the butt of the central bankers. Oh, please let us be part of the infrastructure. Let us be part of helping the adoption. See, drive the early adoption of CBDC. Something I always talk to you about, and they talk about it openly. They do, they don't hide it, they talk about adoption campaigns. And they want to democratize the usage. That means force everyone into it. It goes on to say, uh, "This is the representative here, Adnolfi, from Consensus. Blockchain enables the development of new asset classes, from NFTs—that's non-fungible tokens. Excuse me, folks, I had the hiccups for a second. That's non-fungible tokens to stable coins and CBDC. We could eventually get into." more on nfts and stable coins uh, until recently end users had to use new technologies such as metamask to receive store and use those assets enabling end users to access those new assets through the tools and user experience they are already comfortable with such as cards might really help accelerate adoption and this is all part of what i explained to you is the metaverse folks Okay, I've explained this to you uh, in detail in shows. The eventual metaverse and this combining under this force industrial web evolution of the physical, digital, and biological worlds is that you will have basically one username and one login. Think of it in terms of accessing a website now like pain.tv slash gold. You will have one username and one login across the entire internet. Everything will work in sync. You will have your digital twin which is you inside of this mega metaverse, this digital world, this matrix. And that will also be connected to your physical self out here in the real world, the prison planet matrix. And so this is the same thing. Everything will be connected to each other. Visa will be connected to your MasterCard, will be connected to your uh, car insurance, will be connected to your uh, CBDC wallets. It will all be connected. All right. It says blockchain enables the development of new asset classes from NFTs to stable coins and CBDC. Again, until recently, end users had to use new technologies such as Medic Mask to receive, store, and use those assets. Enabling end users to access those assets through the tools and user experience they already comfortable with, such as cards, might really help accelerate adoption. I wanted to repeat that for you again because it's about making it convenient so it accelerates the adoption all right. Once they have buy-in from over 50% of the people, they can just force the rest into it. So let's say you own an online shop, or let's say you're a consultant, or let's say you still own a brick-and-mortar store. God bless you if you do. Well, if all of a sudden people are coming to your website wanting to use CBDC, or people are coming to your store wanting to use CBDC, or people come to your food truck, or your clients want to pay you in CBDC, you are going to have to accept it, or you're not going to get any money. Therefore, someone like me or you that's resisting the system will then have to join the system in order to accept the money. I did not want to use Venmo and Cash App, and Google Wallet, and Apple Pay, and all this nonsense years ago. But in the corporate entertainment industry I was in, I had comedians who worked for me that wanted to be paid via Venmo. And I would say, listen, I just go online uh, on my, I think I was with Chase then. I fill out a thing and they're gonna mail you a bank check. That's how I issue all my checks. I don't want a check. I accept Venmo. I want to be paid right now. Or back in the day, it was PayPal. I want to be paid right now. Oh, I don't do that. All right, well, I'm not going to do the job for you. So all of a sudden, if that comedian wasn't going to do the job, I wasn't going to make my $500, $600 commission, whatever it may be, for booking them. So guess what? Dustin got Venmo. See, I got forced into the system. I was socially engineered into the system. That's how this works. It says, what's next for Visa's CBDC payments module? And Catherine Gu of Visa says, we're excited to enter the next phase, piloting and prototyping actual use cases, which we expect to start doing later this spring. At that point, our consultants and product experts in our global crypto advisory practice and digital currency innovation hub will be ready to work with central banks, financial institutions, and fintechs to integrate and configure the cbdc payments module for their technology stacks it's a natural extension of our commitment to support new forms of money movement and we're eager to get this important work underway now you don't actually believe that a company like visa who is tied into the government anyway is going out there and building this and has departments called the Global Crypto Advisory Practice and the Digital Currency Innovation Hub. And showing up at competitions with this company, Consensus, owned by Joseph Lubin, who was partnered with this guy, Buterin, who was funded by Peter Thiel to develop Ethereum. You don't think all this is going on if it's actually not going to happen, do you? Let's just click on this for a second. I'm going to go over here on USA.Visa.com. I just clicked on the... Um, the global, uh, let's see. It says Visa introduces a crypto advisory services to help partners navigate a new era of money movement. And this is from December, 2021. The case for crypto is getting stronger for financial institutions. New global research finds nearly 40% of crypto owners would be likely to switch primary banks to one that offers crypto products. All right, so this is sort of a press release. We're not gonna go through it, but I'm just showing you. It's real here. That's the global crypto advisory practice. Now let's click on the digital currency innovation hub. And right here, this is a whole site set up by Visa. This is usa.visa.com/solution/crypto/digital-currency-innovation-hub.html. And right here, it says introducing the Digital Currency Innovation Hub. Navigating crypto just got a bit more simple. It goes through this. Crypto is complex. We're here to help. Key benefits for our clients: learn about crypto, consult with our experts, co-create the future. It says Visa Digital Currency Crash Course. Who we are. It's got all these people on the team. Oh, yeah. This is like a whole section of their website now dedicated to pushing this uh, digital currency innovation hub. Yeah, folks. I mean, this is real. This is real. A lot of links inside this uh, interview, by the way. And we'll eventually go through this in more detail. When I get back, let me just show you a little bit about what Joseph Lubin has been up to and set the stage for what I'm going to dissect and analyze over the next couple of shows as we build up to another appearance by Wide Awake Jim, who's going to show us exactly what's coming out of the bank for international settlements. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dust Dustin Gold Standard, Right here on pain.tv slash Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain slash Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain TV. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. The Gold Standard sounds pretty good right about now, does it not? But welcome back. I am Dustin Gold and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold, folks. I know, what, I should be selling gold. What the hell am I doing? Uh, over at Gold Capital where I buy all of my gold... No, I don't know if I could ever do that. I should. I mean, I, I might. My grandfather, actually, my father was just on the show, Lewis Gold. Lewis William Gold, actually. My name is Dustin William Gold, and that's why we named our son William. But Lewis William Gold had a father, Lewis William Gold, who was in the gold business. My father will come back on and tell that story, but he used to sell a uh, which basically had no numismatic value, and he would sell it to doctors, dentists, a lot of people back in the day that had a lot of cash. We're talking back in the uh, 50s, 60s. And so they would want to trade that in for gold and keep it in a safe, and so that's what he did. So he was actually in the gold business. My grandfather used to tell people to own physical gold all the time. I just don't like to push investments because uh, I'll feel bad if people... You know, lose money, but but I don't know. I mean, some of this is important. I like what uh, Wide Awake Jim is doing, uh, the investments he's involved with, with oil and gas royalties, and oil is liquid gold, so that would fit my brand as well, ladies and gentlemen. So, liquid gold, maybe I could do physical gold. All right, let let's just jump into this, but just always keep in mind here as we're talking about this. If you want to run a full-blown technocracy based on the original definitions of technocracy coming out of the uh, early 1920s into the 1930s, they have to have total control of the monetary system which they called energy certificates back in the original blueprints of the technocracy, defining the technocracy, laying out the technocracy or the governance of the technate which was this big North American uh, continent underneath the technocracy. They talked about energy certificates and then we have carbon credits and then we'll have carbon credit based CBDC and this is how you're going to control everyone and control their spending habits and their purchasing power because you can program the money you're sending them to not be able to buy certain things or to turn off at certain times i'm telling you this is how it works (coughs) excuse me folks you just saw that in the documents that that's how this works all right This is very, 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 very control-based. So they can send you your Social Security in the form of CBDC, but it's programmed to only be able to purchase certain things from certain places. And if you abuse that, they can then program it in real time, uh, based on algorithms, to stop you from purchasing certain things. All right, this is an article I found here, folks. Let me get a a sip of water real quick, Uh, because I drank some tea. And a uh, tea leaf got stuck in my throat. All right. This is forecast.news. That's forkas news. And this is an article from March 2021. It says, what's in DeFi's future? Remember, we went over that D-E-F-I, DeFi's future. And what does it mean for traditional banks? Will DeFi replace centralized finance? So DeFi is decentralized finance. Will decentralized finance replace centralized finance? And how might regulators respond? An all-star panel with leaders from the SEC, Security Exchange Commission, WEF, that's World Economic Forum, Consensus, and USDC, that's U.S. digital currency, explains and this is important folks because it's all a fraud like decentralized finance is not replacing centralized finance decentralized is a code for centralized what they're saying is that the system they currently have is actually not centralized enough because if you still have access to cash and you go spend cash like you take fifty dollars An actual printed bill, a $50 bill, and you go buy drugs on a street corner, short of you being picked up by traffic cams or an Amazon ring or your cell phone, your smartphone is tracking you, uh, spying on you, listening to you, which they could do. They don't really know what you're doing with that cash, right? So even though it's centralized, you know, through the Federal Reserve, it's not really. There could be all kinds of things going on that they don't want to happen. Well, once they go to the so-called DeFi, decentralized finance, it's fully centralized, Because everything is tracked through a ledger controlled by the central bank, all being run through artificial intelligence algorithms in real time. It goes on to say, what is the future of decentralized finance, DeFi, the hottest blockchain trend of last year, and what does it mean for traditional banking in the world of centralized finance? A panel of industry experts tried to answer that question this week at a global summit organized by the Bank for International Settlements, right? Like, the Bank for International Settlements is interested in decentralizing the monetary system. It goes on to say, DeFi and its underlying blockchain technology are Bringing a paradigm shift in how we structure our systems globally, said Joseph Lubin, chief executive officer and founder of Consensus, a New York-based blockchain software technology company. Quote, DeFi is building the early stages of a more seamless global financial infrastructure. End quote, said Lubin, who was part of a panel discussion on, quote, Cfi to DeFi. Can global finance be Reconstructed?" Uh, end quote, at the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Summit 2021 held this week. Quote, the current one is very siloed with nation states linked by essentially correspondent banking relationships, end quote, said Lubin, who is also a co-founder of Ethereum, quote, Our planet is increasingly in need of systems shared across nation-states on which companies in those nation-states and the nation-states themselves can transact and trust that their rule systems that mediate those transactions will be honored, will be automatically applied, end quote. Again, see, they're talking about total control over this monetary system. It goes on to say, society was evolving from being natively analog to natively Digital. Now, what does why do I, Jim, tell you folks all the time? Go analog. What do I tell you? Get rid of the smart tech in your house and go analog. I told you about the little baby swing that Maria Albanese bought us. That's analog. You plug it in. It's got the old school MIDI piano. Beep 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 beep. beep, beep while the baby's rocking, but it doesn't hook up to the smartphone. It doesn't hook up to Wi-Fi. You know, to the internet. It's not beaming uh, information back and forth in the cloud about when my child farts, you know. No, it's analog. So he's saying society is evolving from being natively analog to natively digital, quote, where elements like money, financial instruments, identity, art and governance are realized entirely in software, end quote, Lubin said, adding that digitization would lead to standardization and automated compliance and tokenization, as well as remove the frictions of current processes. Isation I-zation, I-zation. I feel like I'm reading a Doctor Seuss book here. It goes on to say DeFi applications offering financial services directly to individuals are on the rise, unlike in traditional finance, which requires intermediaries like banks. DeFi transactions are governed by smart contracts without the need for intermediaries. Decentralized finance protocols for a wide variety of financial services, such as lending, borrowing, yield on savings accounts, asset issuance, trading and insurance, are already being built. The applications also could be permissionlessly combined with, quote, Lego and, quote, blocks, or what is called composability enabling more capable systems to be created rapidly. Now, that's what I was just talking to you guys about earlier, why I wanted to go through the Ethereum website so you have an understanding of some of this lingo that they're using. Another panelist, David Puth, Chief Executive Officer of Center, the company behind USD Coin USDC, sees the convergence of decentralized and centralized finance as inevitable. Quote, as DeFi continues to evolve from this very early stage, it will be impossible for the centralized finance world to ignore the incredible potential, end quote, Puth said. Center's USDC, a stablecoin pegged to the U.S. dollar, is the world's second largest stablecoin by market capitalization. The vast majority of DeFi protocols and stablecoins operate on Ethereum. Hear that? The vast majority of DeFi protocols and stablecoins Stablecoins operate on Ethereum. This is why Ethereum is very powerful, why I'm talking about them. And the total value locked in DeFi protocols has surpassed uh $39 billion as of publishing time. And then there's this related article, which we'll go into maybe on the next episode. Will DeFi upend traditional finance and democratize capitalism? It says, opportunities abound, but there are risks. The opportunities in DeFi are tremendous, but they come with risks. Quote, there's risk of losing principle, technology breaking down. People unwittingly doing things in the DeFi space that can't be undone and then no recourse for the party, end quote, Puth said. Quote, as an industry, we need to work together and work together with regulatory bodies, end quote. Again, they build the problem and then they want to become the people who govern the governing bodies that oversee the technologies that create the problems that they are creating. I've talked about this before with Elon Musk. Let me build AI. It's going to destroy the world. But if I'm in charge and I can govern it, I'll make sure that the technology I'm building to destroy the world won't actually destroy the world if I'm in charge of it. As long as I can govern the governing body that governs the technology that I am building. Goes on to say another panelist, Hester Pierce, a commissioner on the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, said that DeFi, quote, could help the resilience of the financial markets by moving away from centralized potential points of failure to a more distributed approach that means that no one particular point is particularly important, end quote. Quote, a lot of what's happening, DeFi, is really outside of what the SEC's purview is because a lot of it has to do with more banking-like functions than I would say securities-like functions, end quote, Pierce said. Quote, at this point, as regulators, we're watching what's going on, and I think any kind of wholesale shift in the financial system will take quite a long time, end quote. Quote, to the extent that people are building things that are intended to mimic securities or doing things related to asset management, that would fall within our purview. And so I encourage people to be thinking about potential securities implications, end quote, Pierce said. You see, so now this is a regulator talking about how they have to get in in the game to be able to regulate this. All right, so you have Visa stepping up to the central bankers, begging for their ability to be part of this infrastructure. You've got consensus trying to build the infrastructure to connect the central bankers to the consumers that are going to use the product. And you have all the regulators saying, well, we can step in and regulate. It goes on to say, if you set up some sort of decentralized exchange or automated market maker that is trading securities, among other things, then you've to think about what the implications are. Now, that possesses all kinds of interesting challenges for us as a regulator because we're used to dealing with a centralized counterparty, end quote, Pierce added. See, This is why it might take a little while, okay, because you have all these different parties that are used to doing things in certain ways, and then you have the new reign of technologists, this new generation of these tech nerds coming in. They want to combine all these systems. The central bankers want this to happen because they want total control. But you have to create buy-in from all the different elements. It's all these different crime families operating that all have to end up agreeing to work together in certain ways so they all get their little piece of the action. You know, I was talking with Jim, wide awake Jim, earlier today on text message, and we were talking about this, just like with the climate grift, the climate hustle that he Explained. They create an entirely fake industry built on lies, but then they create buy-in from millions of people that make money off the grift within that system, right? And then everyone who relies on those people to bring home a paycheck are now part of the system. They are part of the grift. Whether they believe it or not or understand it doesn't matter. The same thing is happening here with the CBDC. They're going to create this digital token out of thin air. But there's all these different players, from government workers to so-called private sector contractors to technologists to the central bankers to the commercial bankers and everyone else. They want a piece of the action. So it's not really about whether or not they can build the technology and the infrastructure. It's how they're going to create this buy-in from all the different players. Forcing the adoption campaign onto us is going to be easy. They're just going to socially engineer you into it. Right now, they're aligning all the different players, all the different team members. They're building the team, and they're making sure that everyone along the way, just like in a mafia operation, are going to get their cut of the action. They're going to get their VIG, and this way, they'll all get on board with letting this go forward. That's the stage. They're at right now. That's what I see with what I've been reviewing. And so when we get back tomorrow in episode 98, I'm going to continue breaking down this article and then we're going to move into the uh, central bank CBDC tracker that I found where you can track what's going on in different countries. And then we're going to work into the Consensus website, and I'm going to show you a lot of these projects, uh, white papers, case studies that Consensus is already developing for a number of governments, and then we're going to go through their white paper on central bank digital currency. And this way, we'll have a solid understanding of where this is at from the technology side of things. So this way, when we talk to Jim about what's going on inside the Bank for International Settlements, we'll be able to combine our research and start to figure out for you guys in the audience what is actually going on and when we think this stuff is going to be rolled out and start to talk about solutions on how you can begin to insulate yourself, maybe move around some of your assets before it gets trapped in this central bank digital currency scam. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me on Sunday evening. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. more listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.